Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, good morning. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, I work with a lot of individuals who have executive function challenges. So they have issues with time management, uh, focus, uh, problem solving, just a lot of things that help um, individuals succeed. Um, they, these clients struggle in. So um, today we're meeting with Mark McCluskey, and I'm so thrilled to be interviewing Hello. him this morning. Good morning, Mark. Uh, Mark is a 22-year-old ASU student. He is a Flynn Scholar. He um, is going to open up today about his diagnosis uh, of autism at the age of two. Um, And actually, he was diagnosed with severe autism at that time. And Mm -hmm. he's going to talk a lot about how this diagnosis has impacted his life as well as his family's life. Um, So, Mark, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your background. You've got the diagnosis of severe autism at the age of two. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also been featured in the New York Times Magazine, and I want yep. you to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. I want you to talk about the Flynn Scholarship and um, what that's all about, how you, you achieve that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, background in music as well, how, how you participate in music and, and your love for music. Um, but I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about you and, and how you... Um, how you started this journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's see. It was a good place to start. So, so yeah. So I was um, I was diagnosed uh, at the age of two, just about um, maybe two, two and a half. Um, before that point, um, I was uh, I was an early walker talker. Um, I was I forget how old. But I was having like two word sentences and walking, you know, by like a year or something. Right. So super early on. Um, So that's where I stood, um, which is actually a bad sign. You uh, if if your kid's an early walker, um, it's actually detrimental. um, But that's another thing I'll go into later. Um, But uh, yeah. So and then and then um, I got horribly sick. Um, I had to do, uh, I had to go to the hospital for something and then something that gave me, got me sick. And then, um, I know I was sort of in and out for like a week or something. And, and after, like, after that whole ordeal, which was like lasted a little while, um, stopped talking. Um, I wasn't walking anymore. I wasn't, you know, like just completely changed. Um, and that's around the time that I got my diagnosis. Uh, and then, from there, um, it was a lot of years, like up until age like 11 or 10, um, it was a lot of <clears throat> heavy, like early intervention. Um, I'm trying to remember the therapies we did. Cause the, the thing about the therapies is when I was little as a kid, I didn't like, there wasn't anything else, you know, like that's, it was, it wasn't like therapy to me. It, I didn't right. realize that. Well, therapy um, was limited back then too. I mean, that was 20 mm. years ago. Yeah, to me, it was just like, oh, it's the thing that I do, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's hard to remember a lot of them now. But I remember, like, I did speech therapy for a little while. Um, that was a little later on. Um, because once, like, I, I did slowly regain the ability to talk. Um, and later on, I had uh, a lot of issues with that, like uh, stuttering and um, mumbling and things like that. Like, I, uh, 
uh, sort of similar with like walking, um, where with like when you're an early walker, you skip crawling, and crawling is really like helpful for like brain development. Sure. Similar thing with with talking. Um, so um, let's see. Uh, so we did lots of therapies. I don't think I did ABA. That wasn't one that I did. Um, but I know we did a lot of like music therapy. Uh, did a lot of I did crawling therapy. Um, like at a certain point when I was pretty young, lots of different, um, lots of different things like that. And that went on, like I said, till about like like ten, eleven. Um, and I did have like some friends, uh, you know, like growing up. But um, a lot of it was like I don't want to say social experiments. That sounds bad. But like like testing the waters to see like how I would do in a social setting. You know, um, I remember. Uh, I remember when I, when I was little, um, my mom took me to, to, took me to a park for some, I don't know, you know, seeing friends or something, or maybe it's just going to the park. I don't remember. And apparently like, uh, uh, some of the moms were like, uh, irritated, like with her and with me. Cause, um, I don't even know what I did. I, I was just playing on the playground. I don't think I did anything like horrible, but you know, they didn't like me. And, um, I remember my mom, like, that, that was pretty early on. And she went home like pretty sad about that. She was crying. And so from then on, it was like trying to expand my horizons. So we start like smaller. So I did have one friend um, uh, that I made one time on Halloween because I just ran into their house because they had a Thomas Tank Engine set um, and they had a kid about the same age and, and we got along. So we would do things like go to the park with him for like an hour maybe or less. And, you know, before going, we talk about like rules and we talk about, um, like social expectations. And so a lot of time, we, a lot of, a lot of my social upbringing was that growing up. And then around like 10, 11, I started to go to a homeschool cause I was homeschooled PE group. Um, and that's where I started to make like a lot more, uh, friends and friends that I still have to this day. Um, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk about at what age did you start homeschooling? Yeah. So, um, that's a good point. Cause I just realized I didn't talk about that. Um, when I was five or six, uh, I went to preschool and I with I was there for about a year and all the all the teachers uh, I'm trying to remember what they would say, but a lot a lot of teachers had issues with me. Um, <clears throat> not like they didn't like me, but they they couldn't like I, I don't I don't know. I wish I could remember the experience because they were having a lot of issues like doing anything with me or getting me to do anything. And within a year being there, I lost skill. And, um, you know, up until that point, you know, it's funny now because my mom is very earthy, crunchy. Um, she homeschooled me my home life, my whole life. You know, she's um, very much like that kind of mom. But uh, when I was that age, um, she wasn't uh, at least yet, you know, like she, I mean, she loved me and she wanted, you know, but she was like, she wanted to be the Oreo cookie mom and, <clears throat> you know, like be able to give me everything I wanted. Um, and so it's funny the way she grew up ended up being. So, um, so you know, she, I just, I just have to say, I can't imagine anybody not liking you. And just for our listeners to know, I, I've known Mark for what, almost 10, year? 11 months, almost a year, maybe even you year? think that okay, yeah. maybe, Mm. Maybe it's been yeah. About it would be a year, a year like yeah. this month or next month. So yeah, yeah. So I I have never seen you be anything but kind and sweet and generous. So thank you. You're welcome, That's- and and you know I mean it. So I just want to say that I can't imagine that. So for these kids to feel that way, something was very different from from the way you were then to the way you are now. Mm. 
Okay. So go ahead. Um, finish. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. It is your show. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, where was I? I was trying to, I was trying to remember. Oh, um, preschool and homeschooling. So yeah, after a year I lost skill and my mom figured like, well, I can't be worse than these people. I might as well give it a shot. Cause my dad, my dad also was a, a very much a person of like, do things by the book, you know, like whatever the doctor says, you do it, whatever, like the school system, whatever the thing is that you do, you just kind of do it. You know, you don't really question much. My mom's the opposite. She questions authority all the time. Um, And so my dad was, I like that about your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, My dad was not the happiest because he was like, well, I don't know, like kids are supposed to go to public school. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And so like, they made a deal. And this happened with a lot of things because my mom would always want to do like crazy stuff that sometimes it works, sometimes it wouldn't, but like there would always be compromise. So my dad would be like, all right, you're going to do this crazy thing. Like we'll try it for a bit and see what happens. So like with homeschooling, it was like, we'll do one year and see what happens. And it was fantastic. And things went like a lot better um, with me and like my schooling and my progress that I made, made more flexible time for me to do therapies, for me to do stuff like, um, you know, we would watch TV shows together after doing schoolwork, like uh, Leave It to Beaver, which if you watch it nowadays, um, it, it's funny watching a show like that nowadays and how surface level and basic it seems to like, like compared to TV shows nowadays um, and how like subversive or how much subtext there can be. And back then it was just really like on the nose, you know? Um, sure. And, and so we would watch shows like that and uh, and, and we would go, my mom would pause every few seconds being like, now, why does he like think like that? Or why does he feel that way? Or what do you think he's going to do now or want to do now? I mean, you know, we do stuff like that, uh, read books, you know, sometimes go to the park. Like I said, it just gave us a lot of freedom to do a lot of, like a lot of individualized, um, learning. And, um, that really helped, I think for me. Uh, absolutely. And, and then, so as you started to grow, how did the therapies change? How did your life change? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I stopped doing intensive therapy after the age of like eight ish around, around a, um, I think it was a, uh, the same doctor oh, was a Dr. Melmed. I, I strongly remember their name, but, um, the same doctor that gave me a diagnosis, um, when I was two, uh, di- well, it didn't really, you can't really, but like basically said, uh, that I didn't have it anymore or like I didn't meet the criteria, um, which like nowadays that doesn't, that doesn't uh, correlate with like modern thinking. Now it's just, I'm very high functioning on the end of the spectrum, but that was just like an indication of the amount of progress that I had made. So at that point we started less intensive therapy and more just like catch up on some things that I missed while doing that. So, um, like I said, that was around the time I started the speech therapy. Um, I did like, therapy therapy for a little while um not too too long but for like do you mean talk talk therapy yeah yeah like with a therapist not like a yeah you know like um what most people think of when they hear therapy um and I would I would uh I saw someone for like I want to say like half a year to year um and uh that was good for like talking out social feelings like being able to that's something at that, at that time I, since we never really worked on it, I never even really thought about like processing my own feelings and what that means. So that was helpful for that. Um, and then like from then on, it just kept decreasing in the amount of things that I did till I want to say like 13, 14, I wasn't really doing anything. As far as therapy goes. Yeah. 
How, how would you say that your life was different growing up from your friends who maybe were not diagnosed with anything? Mm-hmm. Um, well, my friends, uh, like a lot of them still came from a homeschool group and co-ops and stuff like that. So there, we have more similar, similarities than like uh, friends that I have that went to public school. You know, like hearing stories of public school is just fascinating and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say... Um, I think the main difference is that, like, growing up, I was uh, usually, like, a year or so, like, behind developmentally than my peers. Um, So, like, certain – it's really hard to describe, but just, like, certain, like, social growth spurts would just take, like, a little bit longer for me. And everyone else seemed to, like, kind of go through it and get it. And then I would start to see that it was a thing and then go through it and get it. so it wasn't like inherent for me. It was like I had to learn certain stuff still growing up and like so teach maybe myself. It took you a little bit more effort, would mm-hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. How has your uh, social life changed as an adult? Like, how how is it different now? Do you feel like you're kind of the same as everyone else in your age group, or do you feel like you have to put more effort into your social and and even your romantic life? I mean, do, do you date? How how does that work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty invisible in in a lot of ways. And, um, I mean, I do put a a good deal of effort into that, but also like, and you mean invisible in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. You, you yeah, my diagnosis is invisible. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, that's what I, mean, I just wanted that. to clarify that. I mm-hmm. knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I say like, not that, like, I think there are still things that clearly show like, um, so I also have like ADHD and dyslexia. So I think a lot of times people will pick up on that more. Like, you know, I can't, like, I can't spell like disassemble or something. Actually, I can't spell that, but you know, some word that's like not too <laughs> difficult, but I, you know, I, I know the word, but I can't spell it just because of that. And, and be, I'll be like, oh, dyslexia. And people are like, oh, okay, I get it. So sometimes, you know, they spell words, words wrong or something or uh, hyperfixate or something. But like with autism, it's like, unless you're like really looking for it. Yeah. I do a really good job of hiding it. And so I say I'm, I'm fortunate enough at a point where, um, uh, where the more that like, and I don't, really, I don't even like like calling it hiding it because it's not like I'm trying to hide it. I've just been like working on the skills and and that contributes to that. You know, it's not like I'm putting on a facade to not be recognized uh, as like autistic. It's like I keep working on the skills and I have been fortunate enough and put in enough work to be able to have that outcome. Um, and, yeah, you've done a phenomenal job. I mean, honestly, if I was to run into you at a restaurant or at the mall, I would never Thank you. look at you and say, oh, he has autism. Like that would never cross my mind. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Um, tell me, what is it that you do currently to maybe help you improve um, your social life, your um, dating life? Um, as someone who's been diagnosed with autism, I know that, you know, we've already talked about this and you do have to work a little bit on mm-hmm. your social interactions. Mm-hmm. What are you doing currently? Yeah. Um, so currently I'm doing two things. Uh, so one is um, I started seeing a therapist again. Um, how long was it now? I want to say a year and a half ago, just about. Uh, I started seeing a therapist just about a year and a half ago. Um, and he's fantastic. Amazing. Love him. 
Um, and he's been a great catalyst for like transitioning into adulthood. Cause that's like, uh, you know, I mentioned like the, uh, struggles I have with transitioning periods of my life. Um, and, uh, that was one of them still like transitioning from high school to college, growing into adulthood and handling responsibility and like more complex emotions and situations than what, um, you know, I was used to. Um, you know, I struggled with that my first like year and a half of, uh, college and, um, my therapist helped me a lot with, uh, you know, t tackling some of that. And at, at the same time, we also on that same vein recently, um, there's, I'm trying to remember, uh, peers, uh, peers at uh, UCLA, UCLA. Thank you. I want to say USC, <laughs> uh, US, UCLA, um, a peers <laughs> program, um, which is quite, quite good. Um, we did that this last like half year. Um, it's a 16 week program for anyone that doesn't know. Um, currently it's, it's online, uh, but which is great because now you can join from anywhere. It used to be only people at UCLA. It's like a study. They're doing research to develop a program for uh, like young adults on the spectrum um, for like friendships, social life and dating. Uh, so uh, it's like a 16 week program on like friendship and things like that. Uh, we did that really good. I, I do recommend it, but it's a, it's very difficult to get into right now, but it's growing. It's like exploding in popularity. Um, so Can like, you talk yeah. a little bit about what you learned during that program? How does yeah. it help you? Yeah. Um, so each, yeah, each week is like a different lesson. Um, and they'll go over lots of inf information and rules and talk about like, so like, why do you think you might not want to do this or something like that? Um, like, one of the big ones when we first started was like, you know, friendship is a choice. Um, you know, like you can choose uh, to be friends with someone and they can choose to be friends with you and um, lots of things. So they did like three weeks, no, four weeks on like bullying. And each week was a different type of bullying. You know, like one week was physical bullying. One was like verbal bullying. One was cyber bullying. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, lots of, lots of things like how to, how to enter a group conversation, um, you know, how to like change your reputation, lots of things like that. Um, we, and then I'm signing up for, uh, right now. So I just finished the 16 weeks on friendship and what they're doing is, uh, you can do an additional like five weeks on dating, um, because they're working on a full 16 week dating program. Um, but that's not done yet. Uh, and so I'm doing a five week program on that. And so far it's been, um, you know, I've just done two and it's been, first one was, um, like how to tell someone you like them. And it was a lot of stuff of like eye contact, um, how to like, ask or how to, how to approach the situation. The next one that I just did yesterday was uh, um, asking someone on a date, you know, how to handle rejection, how to reject someone, how to ask someone, um, you know, lots of things like that. Wonderful. You mm -hmm. talked a little bit about eye contact. Is that a common issue with um, individuals who have been diagnosed with autism? Mm -hmm. It's like a, with with children, like number one signs are eye contact and and nonverbal, um, and uh, any kind of like any kind of like really erratic behavior. Like I know when I was when I was little, um, <laughs> my dad still has videotapes of uh, I used to pull food out of the fridge like eggs. I would take eggs when we had carpet, and I would used to rub the eggs in the carpet, um, <laughs> and I, I think I was like four, five, maybe. Yeah. Right around then. And so like eventually they put like a rope or something around the fridge to tie it up and lock it. 
And, and I think like I cut through that or something. So then my dad literally went to a hardware store, bought like a chain link and, and like a, a lock and like a padlock and just locked the fridge with it. And he still has video of like me when I'm super little, like standing, like my feet are on the front of the fridge door. My hands are pulling on the chain, trying to like, pull it off. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so this, the peers program help you with eye contact as well as all the other social uh, behaviors that uh, you encounter? I'd say not really. Like, unless you're, unless they say something like, uh, you know, eye contact is important in this kind of situation. And you were like, oh, I didn't realize I, it was really important to make eye contact. You know, I'll try harder during those kinds of situations, situations to do it. But, um, uh, other so than that, no, it's, it's more advanced. Like it's, this is like, that's the kind of thing you would cover in a therapy, like 12 and under, you know, you want that gotcha. stuff to a nip in the butt. This is more like advanced, uh, like I said, young adult, um, things. And, and that's what I wanted to make clear is that this is a program for somebody who's ready to really develop in-depth relationships mm-hmm. and really enter the dating world. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the really wonderful things that have happened in your life. Can we okay. talk a little bit about how you, well, you've talked about being homeschooled. I want to mm-hmm. talk about the Flynn scholarship. How did you okay. get the Flynn scholarship? Yeah. Um, so uh, a bit of a crazy story. Um, I, well, I see, I, I did robotics for a long time and uh, I was coming out of high school looking to do uh, college. Wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but something in STEM. Um, and we're looking at scholarships. I had been spending, I think I did, um, I did, I did this writing class. It was, well, it wasn't a class class, but it was, it was like a DVD, like three hour lecture thing on, um, you know, writing like college assignments and, and writing scholarship application, like papers and stuff. Um, and, you know, I was submitting tons of applications all the time, not getting much in return. Um, and then uh, I forget who told us, but someone told us about the Flynn Scholarship, um, which for those who don't know is uh, an Arizona specific uh, full ride scholarship program. Uh, every year they pick about 20 gifted kids from within the state um, and pay for tuition at either ASU, U of A or NAU um, and you know whatever you wanna do. Um, and they have great like fellowship and resources and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's a way of, it was started by uh, somebody Flynn, I forget his first name, but <clears throat> started by, you know, philanthropist uh, as a way to keep talent within the state, because uh, what was happening was a lot of um, talented kids growing up were, would go to school and then leave right after college. And so this was like, an, this was uh, an initiative to keep talent within the state and grow the state more. Um, and it's really great. Uh, so um, what was the criteria for the Flynn scholarship? Um, I mean, other than being gifted, what, what was the criteria? Just like, you know, certain grade point. I mean, I think you had to have like at least a 3.0 or 3.2 or something. Um, you had to have like a certain amount of extracurricular activities, um, stuff like that. Um, but they can also sort of see beyond the grades. Like you have to have a certain requirement, but they're pretty flexible and, and they, they, care more about the people and what they see, like the potential for them to be able to accomplish. Um, so maybe more well-rounded individuals, not absolutely. just academics, but yeah. academics was clearly important. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, you know, we want you to be smart and succeed, but we're looking for a lot more like personal character and things like that than just the, like, you, if you're the best at math, well, that's great, but that doesn't mean we want you. Cause we want to create, like, they try to create a class, right. Of, you know, like 20 some odd kids. And, um, 
the whole point is to create like sort of a uh, fellowship. That's not the word I'm looking for. Like uh, kinship and like friendship and and like uh, bond as a group. And um, so they try to pick like like form a class too. So they pick a lot of people they like and start to like round it down into what they think will be like a nice set of like people who will all be friends, help each other throughout life, like life, life lifelong friends and 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 uh, contacts, you know, to have. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so my understanding is you're currently taking a year off from ASU. What are mm-hmm. you doing with your time right now? Um, let's see, currently. Um, Currently, I'm doing just a lot of stuff for me. So uh, I'm taking a gap year because <clears throat> I, like I said, I was in STEM. I landed on uh, mechanical engineering and with a minor in electrical. And uh, I was doing that for about two years before I decided I uh, really kind of hated it. <laughs> um, and I decided to, the next year, I changed my degree to something vague and just like start exploring classes and still didn't really find anything that I liked, but while my classes were boring, like I was doing stuff, like I joined a band during that time, I got back into playing music um, and that started to like grow. So uh, at the end of that school year, um, well, first of all, COVID started, that was earlier, you know, last year, COVID started. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to take a gap year because my last semester, um, right before, like right as it hit, you know, halfway through went all to online. And I was doing music classes at that point um, that you can't do online. So, right, right. Oh, so I know. I, it's been an interesting transition for you. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a really good decision to take a gap year. And Yeah. I have been trying to like just figure out interests and like find. So yeah, like I've been spending time with music, spending time on different hobbies and um, growing like a small, sort of a small business, like doing work on my own to bring in some money. Um, So I'm just trying to like take a lot of time to like build and work on me. And like when I plan, I plan on coming back to university um, just to sort of knock out classes like, like that. Like I want to be, fully prepared have a plan and uh feel good uh, you know about that so i'm taking I, I get like two gap years and so i'm currently uh doing doing that and it worked out well for covid reasons too so it's just lucky sure yeah absolutely All things considered <laughs> absolutely i i think that's a really good decision on your part um we have a couple minutes before we go to break you talked a little bit about starting um music um and i know that you're in two uh different bands mm-hmm. um you want to talk a little bit about your bands and where you play at yeah for sure um so yeah i'm in two uh local um bands in the in the state uh one's called squared uh with the a being squared um and they're a local punk band uh been around for a little while i just joined them um and and they're they're a lot of fun uh, some great guys there um some pretty some pretty kick-ass music um lots really fast and you know just uh you know a little like basic but fast and energetic uh it's great um and i'm doing a, another band with actually one of my childhood friends um who i you know reconnected with like a couple years back and uh, they were writing music, and so um, I joined them, and now in, in this band called Crack Rabbit, um, and and that's really great. I've made some great friends in that, and we're doing a lot of recording with that band and, like, putting out new music, um, and we, we put out a new track on Spotify, like, last month, um, and that went, you know, over pretty well. A lot of people liked it. Um, it's exciting. So if somebody wanted to listen to that, they'd go where? 
uh, it's on Spotify, iTunes, um, YouTube, some of it, SoundCloud, some of it. Um, yeah, I just look up Crack Rabbit, C-R-A-C-K Rabbit. Um, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So it sounds like you're really um, making tremendous progress. Um, trying to. You know, well, I don't think you're trying. I think you're succeeding. I, I, I'm really impressed with how far you've come. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we have about a minute uh, before we take break. Um, I just want to let everyone know that uh, Mark McCluskey is our guest today. And if you want to listen to this podcast at a later date, you can go onto our podcast and and look up Mark McCluskey. Um, And if you want to get a hold of me, I'm Fazia Costi, and you can get a hold of me at Executive Function Coach AZ.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Mark a little bit more about his journey with autism and how he has accomplished so much in his short 22 years, even with the diagnosis of autism. So thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you being you. here. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Mark. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fazia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm your host. Today we are speaking with Mark McCluskey. He is talking Hello. to us about his experience and his journey um, with the diagnosis of autism. Um, welcome back, Mark. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My Again. pleasure. Um, I really enjoy working with Mark. Mark is probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Um, oh. He's just incredibly genuine and, and, and smart and, and just almost, you know, almost perfect. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost, you know, Point you don't want to be too... me at Uno. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark and I worked together quite a bit um, with his executive function skills. He, he has graciously um, decided to uh, allow me to interview him because I think he's made tremendous progress and, and he's allowed me to talk about uh, the fact that he and I work together and that he is a client. And so I, what I want to do the second half of the show, Mark, is talk a little bit about the executive function skills that you have struggled with over the past year and what we've done to improve those skills and, and how you're doing now. Yeah, um, let's see. So I'd say like biggest struggles. So um, yeah, so I also have ADHD, like I mentioned. So um, I'd say like my biggest struggles before I came to see you, um, I was looking at like huge issues with uh, managing time um, was a big one. Um, so like any, like I, I was okay, but um, was really struggling with um, planning out responsibilities in a way that, you know, wasn't going to overload me in a way that um, would, you know, make me successful in accomplishing them. Um, and and I, I was, I was just like not doing a good job of my schoolwork, um, you know, procrastinating or not doing it at all. Um, I was struggling a lot with, um, I don't know what you would call that, but like processing speed um, a lot. I was pretty slow on my feet. Like I, one of my main things was um, I struggled a lot. Like if I, if I knew what was going to happen, I would do okay usually. But if I was, if something new came up, like out of nowhere, um, if something unexpected happened, um, I was struggling to deal with that a lot because I wasn't able to like process everything like fast enough, like be able to come right. up with a good decision um, or whatever. And, and, you know, so I, that was another thing I was struggling with. Um, and once we started working on your processing speed and you were able to see the consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. I think that improved quite a bit, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I definitely say so. Um, like, yeah, I, like one of the things I started to notice first after working, like starting to work with you was just taking notice of like, the consequences of my actions. Like very soon after working with you, I was just like, um, I, I would start to notice like, oh wow, like those dishes still didn't get done because like I talked myself out of it or like I just, or because of this minor thing that popped up that made me like um, forget about it or overwhelmed. And 
And I'd be like, so now those dishes still aren't done. And now I don't have anything to cook with. And now it's making me feel lazy. And now I want to order food instead of making food, you know, like, and it would just sort of go down this rabbit hole. And I started to be able to see that. <clears throat> and that, that really allowed me to start making changes. That's awesome. Um, and go ahead and let's talk about some of the other um, executive function skills that you had challenges with. Uh, you talked about time management. How did mm-hmm. that improve for you? Yeah. So beforehand, um, I wasn't doing a lot for time management. Um, beforehand, I had, I also didn't, I it felt like I didn't have many responsibilities because I don't think I was holding myself, like now it feels like I have a lot, but because a lot of them are to myself, right? Like a lot of them are promises mm-hmm. I made to myself for things that I want to achieve. But in terms of like when, I'm, like when I first started, like I didn't feel like that. And I feel like I didn't have a lot on my plate. And so and I spent a lot of time, um, like not planning. Um, you know, I didn't have a planner. I have a planner now. Um, I didn't have, (laughs) I have have a, I have a book planner. I have a phone planner and I use the calendar on my phone. And before all I did was use the calendar on my phone, which only took, you know, kept track of like classes or like bigger events. Um, not any of the minor stuff. So, um, lots of small stuff would fall through the cracks. Um, I would spend a lot of time, I always have a plan for one day and then halfway through forget, Oh yeah, I forgot I had to do this though. And so that would throw off my plan and things would change. Um, so I, I was just not very consistent at getting things done. Um, I was not thinking the right wording. I was not, uh, doing a good job. <laughs> right. And, and now, now how has that changed for you? Uh, so now, um, so now I do the two big things that helped me were, so I have the phone calendar, um, and so that, that helps me be able to look at, like, week by week, like, the big things I have going on, right? Um, and uh, I use that in conjunction with my planner that I started using, like, about a couple months ago. Um, and so I'll look week by week and be like, oh, that's right. Like, you know, normally I do this on Mondays and this on Fridays, and that's still the same this week, <clears throat> this week but I forgot about this thing and I totally would have blown this off or planned to do something else if I didn't look. And so that I look and then I, okay, so that I keep that in mind. And then I think about like all the little stuff that I want to do or goal setting, things like that. I put that in my planner for the week. And then um, I put time sensitive stuff in uh, this planner app on my phone. So it gives me reminders. Um, so things like medication, um, you know, like sm- small reminders before due dates, um, anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I put it in the phone. So it's, it always comes up. I can rely on that. I always have my phone on me because I'm, you know, under 35. So of course I do. <laughs> I love that because you're under 35. Um, so you're finding yourself more organized because you're also, you're also holding yourself accountable that more. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing a much better job of holding yourself accountable. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yes. Okay. Uh, one of the biggest things that we work on is goal setting. Mm-hmm. How has that helped you? So that's helped me a lot, especially with what was my original goal for this year or two, whatever it ends up being, um, was, you know, like just like figuring out uh, things about me and, and who I am and what I want. And so the goal setting has been really helpful, um, not just in small ways, but in larger ways too, like with um, uh, with my, like I said, business or whatever you want to call it, that I'm like work I'm doing on the side, like that gives me a, a, a large opportunity with the flexibility of it to 
pursue a lot of different things. So like I've done some tech work, I've done some event planning, I've done some video editing, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff in that realm. Um, and it's allowed me to try out lots of different things from that. Um, I'm taking a few classes uh, at community colleges to to try some other things out too. And, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have done that without, uh, you know, setting some goals like, um, like, like I, I, at the beginning of the year, like it was just sort of vague. Um, like I, what I said earlier, like, oh, just trying to figure myself out. You know, like that was, you know, beginning of the year. But now I have a lot of very specific goals. Um, and I still don't have everything figured out, of course, but I still have a long ways to go. But it, it helps just keep things like not so much my thoughts, but my life direction organized. You know, like that's, very few that can people be, have everything organized and everything right. figured out. I mean, right. honestly, very few people have that all figured out. But the fact that you're working on it and that you're you've got goals and that you're setting those goals and you're holding yourself accountable to those goals is huge. It's a huge step. Yeah. Um, would you mind sharing some of the goals that that you work on? Like you've got goals that are specific to your health. You've got goals that are, you know on eating better, working out, which are mm-hmm. very typical to most mm-hmm. goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you And you've got specific goals for school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think that those are goals that are very typical, very normal for most people to have. And I think that it's important to, to know that anybody can create those goals. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to have a diagnosis to have, to, to participate in goal setting. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, because, I mean, over half my goals are cliche, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, eat better, work out, like, those are two, like, the, although those are yeah. things that, like, I struggle with, but, like, yeah, like, those are cliche. Um, uh, one was, one of my goals is to uh, to get more consistent sh- at brushing twice a day, because I brush every day, but I, I get lazy or I get distracted in the evenings, and uh, sometimes I don't brush at night. So, like, one of my goals is to brush at night, like, that's, uh, like uh, you, you know, when you were probably a kid and had a list on your mirror that said that. Like some of these goals are seem dumb or cliche, but it does help. And um, some of the goals, like I said, help with like life direction. Like one of my goals about one, uh, like the, some of the classes that I'm taking are not just good grades, but like um, try to learn and gain something out of this experience that'll inform me. Like, do I like this? Do I want to pursue this as a career or not? Um, so, so like it just helps in a lot of different ways. Um, and I, yeah, you shouldn't like feel stupid, basically. Like a lot of the stuff I feel like, you, you know, you hear about it and like, you can, you, can, you can think like that sounds dumb or like it's people do that, that works. But um, like, you know, you just strip that self-consciousness. Um, right. One of the things that I really like about you, Mark, is that you are not, you're not judging yourself. You're very upfront. You're very honest. You're very open. And I think what that allows other people when they hear you talk is it allows them to be kinder to themselves. I hope so. Yeah, that's I've been working a lot on being kinder to myself. I used to be really harsh on myself, but that's been something that I've been working on, like with my therapist um, and and on a lot of different ways is to be, yeah, be kinder to myself because it's not productive. Exactly. It's not productive to be hard on yourself. It's it's really quite the opposite. Um, the other thing that I really appreciate is that you are so open about how you explore everything in life. You're, you're learning about what you like. You're learning about what you don't like. And I think that's one of the conversations we had early on is even when you do something you don't like, you learned you don't like it. And that's a Absolutely. really important lesson in life to know what you don't like because that can force you 
to go in a direction that's more, you know, productive or fruitful for you specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are there um, any other executive function skills that you feel are really important that that you've been working on lately? Uh, I'm trying to think what else um, we've been working on. Cause that's the other thing too. Once you do it long enough, it starts to get to a point like, like some stuff starts to become automatic. Um, and not that's that the point. Like, <laughs> right. Not that you like fix it, but like if I was working on this minor executive function thing, like that routine of working on it has, has almost become automatic. And so I start to think about it consciously less and less and it comes to, it's harder for stuff to come to mind, but it's like, I always am like working on stuff um, almost all the time. Exactly. And and I think it's important to know that some people take longer than others to create a habit. So it might be automated for some people at, at the end of maybe, you know, two, three weeks for others, it's going to take maybe three months. So just keep doing it until it becomes the habit that you want it to be. Pretty um, much. Absolutely. How, how has uh, all of this affected you um, psychologically? Um, pretty positively, like our work together. Yeah. 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 Pretty positively. Um, you know, I was, I wasn't doing great, um, before I met you cause you know, I was feeling pretty lost. Um, like not, I didn't have much of direction I, for, for quite a few years. I had just been like the robot guy and now all of a sudden I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what I was. So I was feeling pretty lost and disorganized and like things just kind of kept getting, worse and more disorganized because like little by little I just like I didn't know how to build things up or build routines and um like the the sort of like uh depression or whatever or anxiety of like being um directionless uh it can be I won't say yeah it can be overwhelming um and so like slowly like little by little like taking you know your life back and working on things it starts to build more um, confidence and uh, you know, you slowly <clears throat> you start to look back and think like, I didn't used to be able to do that consistently or like now I don't even think about that. And you start to, th- you start to think like, wow, I do, I do kind of kick a little ass. Like maybe I'm not that bad. Um, and you start to just kind of prove to yourself in little ways, you know, that you, you're not deserving of all that like self hate that you keep hearing like you, you know, like you're not crazy in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not crazy. You actually are like doing good and you're worth something. Yeah. Well, you're worth a lot. You're awesome. Um, and you know what, you know, I tell you all the time, I think you're fabulous. All right. So talking about fabulous, you also have a fabulous family and you have fabulous friends. Tell me, um, how have they supported you throughout this journey? Um, how I know your mom's done a lot for you and mm-hmm. so has your dad, but let's talk specifics. Can you tell me and our listeners like what your family has had to deal with and, and how they've supported you in this journey? Um, I mean, my parents have been, yeah, nothing but supportive. Um, I know I, the reason I started meeting with you was because of my mom, um, because she found out about you and told me, and I was like, Oh, that sounds good. Um, you know, I, I, my, my parents, my parents do a lot more than just get, like give me money for stuff. Like they were, they're always there for me. Like when I was living on college, um, living on college, when I was living on campus, um, at college, uh, in a, in a, in a, in an apartment or whatever, um, 
you know, it's, it's pretty close to where my dad works. Uh, Cause it, the campus wise, I'm like North. If for those of you that know, I'm North uh, of like Tempe and my dad works just about in Tempe. Um, so it's, was nice. You know, it was nice. Like I get to see him for lunch and once a week, um, my mom would drive down once a week for lunch, um, you know, go grocery shopping. I would, I call her or she would call me just to check up and check in like, um, yeah, you know, I always had that support there. If there's ever, ever like anything that I needed, like they were always there for me. Like my mom was the one that started, that found the Pierce program. Um, my mom was the one that uh, like found me, my therapist. Um, so they, you know, they, they've been doing a lot for me in those regards. They, I, I came home for my gap year um, and uh, you know, they've been nothing but loving and supportive Um and, and, and just like the best that, you know, parents you could ask for, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Um, you do have really awesome parents. Um, they really go all out for you. I mean, they, they, if something, if you need something and they don't know what it is, they research it. They find mm-hmm. the, if they can't find it, they start finding people who can help them find it. So yeah. your, your parents go above and beyond. Yeah. Especially and, my mom. I mean, if there's anything, she reads a book on it immediately, at least one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, um, how let me let me rephrase that. What would you recommend to other families? Um, what, you know, dealing with a similar situation. How would you, you know, what would you tell them? You know, what, what kind of things would you tell them? Um, like someone that was struggling in a similar way. I was. Let's let's say uh, uh, there's a set of parents out there that uh-huh. just found out their son had a uh-huh. diagnosis of severe autism. Uh huh. What advice do you want to give them? Um, Well, the first thing I can say that might make you feel better is that things are like a million times better than when I was diagnosed. I mean, when, when I was diagnosed, the doctor just looked at my mom and said, he's never going to have friends. He's never going to go to college. He's never going to have a job. Um, You might as well just institutionalize him now. Try again. Um, uh, you know, anytime I had a medical issue, I've had stomach issues my whole life that, you know, in the last few years, we've realized very heavily linked to autism. Um, when I went to the doctor, when I was like three or four complaining these issues, I mean, my mom complaining these issues, they're like, that's just autism or, you know, whatever, like we can't fix that. Um, there's no medical treatment. There's barely any therapies. Most of them suck. Like, I mean, I cannot tell you how much things have changed in the last 20 years alone, especially in Arizona for like people on the spectrum and support and, and things that you can do. Um, Tell us a little bit about what, what is out there now that maybe if a parent has a child who's, who's been diagnosed recently, mm -hmm. where would they go? I mean, there, you know, there's also the autism society. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, yeah, for those who listened last week, my mom, uh, she's the vice president. Uh, currently she's, um, I think thinking leaving soon, but you know, we'll see. She's currently vice president has been for, I don't know, over a decade, uh, of, you know, autism society, um, which is uh, a great organization. I, I should, I should clarify autism society of greater Phoenix. Uh, so we're, uh, we're sort of a, a chapter of autism society and also our own organization. Um, uh, mostly because, uh, I don't, I don't know why that was because, but it ended up being a good thing because they got in hot water. But our organization has been doing a lot. We do conferences, um, lots lots of conferences with lots of different speakers that have, are almost always amazing. I've, I've sat in on quite a few talks. They're always great. Like lots of different psychologists, um, doctors, behavioral coaches, um, people on, with personal experience on the spectrum. I mean, 
great stuff. Um, we have like tons of uh, parent meetups, um, tons of uh, groups, tons of like we have, you know stuff for the kids we do lego uh, nights or before covid we did lego nights for the kids lately we've been doing game nights for the kids so it's all virtual um you know that's just like the tip of the iceberg plus like n numerous resources and we're just like you know one of um you know a few in in, in the state like uh, sark or uh I don't know who who else is uh, who else is around. There's a bunch of different organizations in the state. Um, and there's yeah, there is a lot of uh, support out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the ones that you particularly engage in are Autism Society of Greater Phoenix. Yeah, and you know if somebody wanted to get in touch with um, the Autism Society, mm -hmm. how would they get in touch with them? Uh, so uh, we have a website. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's was it. So autismphx.org, I think. I'm just going to double check that. Um, but uh, we have, yeah, so we have a website. We have um, that list, like phone numbers, emails. We have um, people you can talk to. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's phoenixautism.org. So phxautism.org, all one word, no spacing. Um, and, uh, you know, well, but you can find out much more on there. Um, and we have people you can talk to like parent coaches or I'm not sure what we call them, but people you can talk to like, like if you just, your kid was just diagnosed, you don't know where to go. Like, like, what do I do first? Like people you can talk to about that. Or if you're like um, something more experienced, like if you're uh, not a vendor, um, if you're a, uh, you know, someone that wants like to. Like a therapist. Help, if you're a therapist or someone that's like, I have this service I want to offer, uh, you know, get in contact with us. Um, yeah, I think that's a great place to start uh, is, is that website. You can contact with people and, and get some great information and resources. And like I said, we have a million different groups and, and things that we do. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I think thank you, you so much for having me. You're, you're welcome. Um, I think you inspire um, people with your story. I think um, you, you have a phenomenal story and, and I think it's, it's an, an awesome story to share because there's so many people out there who have had a diagnosis of autism. And I think sometimes they give up and they give up hope. They don't get the therapies that they need and therefore they don't have the success that they could possibly have. I think not only does this open up conversation, but it allows people to know that um, there's so much out there mm -hmm. that, that they can, you know, there's so much out there as far as services um, and they can get their needs met. They can develop better um, executive function skills. They can deal with their medical issues. All of that can be improved. Yes. Um, yeah. That's the thing I say. Like I, I know a lot of people when I was like, younger tend to have the, tend to have the wording, like they would talk about me like recovery is the word they would use a lot and talk about like me being recovered. And I don't, I don't think that's true or really fair. Like, I mean, I don't know if recovery is possible um, entirely from autism, like, but improvement, is without a doubt possible like improvement is always possible your amount of improvement varies um you know depending on like what you need and what you can do and like you know what works but um there is always improvement and like there's i think with anyone on the spectrum there's like with the right intervention um there's always a chance at like a happy life absolutely um i think even in the last year i've seen how much you've grown that um it, you know, if, if you could see how much Mark has grown, you would definitely want to get yourself into some kind of treatment and um, some kind of intervention to um, 
improve your outlook on life and, and live the best life possible. Mark, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Um, I'm Fazia so Costi. And um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can um, go onto my website, which is uh, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also um, email me at Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Um, and next week, I believe we are meeting with um, Mary Hager, and she is going to talk to us about how she helps individuals determine what is their best direction as far as going into college, how to decide um, what college to go to, as well as what um, to study find out what your interests are. So hopefully we'll see you next week. Have a wonderful day. And uh, once again, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week. Thank you.